Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Michael said, Steve, check this story out. Some attorneys got in trouble. Uh, Steve Corus wrote this for the Madison Record. You connect plaintiff Flynn loses case at Seventh Circuit. His attorneys now owe $180,000 for pursuing injury suit without injury. And a lot of people ask me, they say, Steve, if an attorney files a uh, meritless case, does anybody ever get in trouble for that? Because, you know, if I had to defend myself against a meritless case, I'd be upset. And the answer is yes, it does happen. It does not happen that often, but it does happen. And this is uh, a case where, you know, eyebrows are raised. Lawyers for Belleville Lawyer, Brian Flynn, O. Chrysler, and Harmon International Industries, $179,000 for pursuing an injury suit without an injury, a U.S. district judge has ruled. Plaintiff's jurisdictional claim was always tenuous at best. She awarded $93,000 to Harmon and eighty-six dollars to Chrysler. That's $86,000. Flynn filed the suit in 2015 claiming that hackers could control his Jeep through Harmon's Uconnect information and entertainment device. Now, we've heard of stories about, you know, hacking of cars and so on, but his lawyers uh, relied on a report from Wired magazine that experts had hacked a Jeep under controlled conditions. So the question is, just because the people at Wired said it could be done, does that mean it's going to happen to you? So they proposed a class action with Flynn representing Chrysler buyers in Illinois and other buyers representing the people of Missouri and Michigan. They alleged risk of physical harm, risk of fear and anxiety, and overpayment. So the risk of physical harm, of course, is that if you were driving on the road and someone hacked your car and made it do something crazy, that could hurt you. The fact that you worry about it is fear and anxiety. And the fact that you paid for a car not knowing it would do this theoretically could be an overpayment. But the former district judge Michael Reagan dismissed the risk allegations and allowed an overpayment allegation to proceed. That claim involved, theoretically, about 100,000 vehicles and would have been thousands of dollars per vehicle if the claim survived. Now, that judge appointed Armstrong Teasdale lawyers as class counsel along with Christopher Cueto and Lloyd M. Cueto of Belleville. Now, when that judge retired, the court clerk randomly assigned this case to another judge who dismissed the complaint for lack of standing. She's basically saying, I've got some plaintiffs in front of me who want to pursue a case, but there's no case for them to pursue. And so if someone walks into court and says, I've got a case, You've got to actually have a, a, a case that can be pursued to be in court. I mean, it seems so elementary, but it doesn't happen very often that you hear that argument succeed. But here it did. The judge wrote, no hacker has remotely accessed the system. No hacker has seized control of a vehicle's operations. And no consumer has ever been injured. And so remember, this lawsuit was filed in 2015. And back in 2015, when the articles were coming out about hackable vehicles, people may have thought, oh, this is something that's going to happen. It's on the horizon. Oh, my gosh. And here we are, six, seven years later, and people are going, well, that never happened. So she found that the plaintiffs did not allege that the Uconnect didn't work 
or that they experienced any actual problems with it. She found they didn't allege that they were unwilling to drive their vehicles or they sold or traded the vehicles at a loss due to the alleged defects. And that's another thing. And there's ways you can prove those things. You know, if you sold it at a loss, you could show that. Also, if you didn't drive the vehicle. Now, you might think, really? I've had clients who've had cars that were unsafe to drive that they parked. And I've actually had a client leave a car parked in their driveway for nine months or a year until the case settled. And I'm here to tell you that if you get in front of a jury and say, my car does something really, really weird. I don't like to drive it, but I have to. Jury goes, okay, I might be able to understand that. But if you say, I parked it because it was unsafe to drive, and then I acquired something else just to get me by, jurors go, oh, that's a hardship. So the plaintiffs appealed this, and the Seventh Circuit judges on appeal affirmed the ruling of the trial court judge. The Chief Circuit judge found that plaintiffs relied on allegations and argument rather than point to evidence of actual injury. And that's, of course, a problem. I've had a lot of people call me with cases or potential cases or tell me stories. They say, Steve, here's what's happening. And they explain something to me that they heard, they read about. And don't get me wrong, you might hear about something or read about something that affects you. But I've had a lot of people describe something to me and I'm like, okay, tell me about your experience. Has it happened to you yet? Well, no, it hasn't. Okay, well, let's see now. She also found that no one other than experts had successfully hacked a Chrysler vehicle. Chrysler and Harmon then moved for taxation of costs, and the court granted it. Now, taxation of costs, of course, is the fancy name for they asked for the assessment of costs or to ask for the court to order the other side to pay them their costs in defending this claim. Plaintiffs failed to cite credible evidence supporting their theory, notwithstanding the amount of discovery including hundreds of thousands of documents, 31 depositions, and 10 separate expert reports. And if they don't have a case after doing all that, they got problems. She awarded Harmon $87,900 and awarded Chrysler $75,548. And it's broken down here for things like printing, copying, transcripts of hearings, depositions, and so on. But uh, it appears to have been quite lengthy litigation. And by the way, just so you know, the plaintiff's attorneys also spent a fortune on this case. But that's the risk you take as a plaintiff's attorney. And so I have people come to my office, they hire me. And if I think they've got a good case, I tell them, I say, look, Michigan's Lemon Law says if we win, I get my attorney fees paid by the other side. So tell you what, you don't ever pay me any money for my fees. I'll get it from them. And quite often, I'll actually even front the costs on the file, which I'm allowed to do ethically because it's convenient. And if worse comes to worse, theoretically, I can go back to my client and say, I need that money back, except that I can get that back from the defendants also. (laughs) I'm so confident that I can do that. I tell my clients, don't even worry about any of this. I'll just take care of it and we'll sort it out in the end. So... Now, these attorneys have got to pay $179,000 to the lawyers of the other side, and that's not counting the money they burned themselves 
doing all of this stuff, spinning their wheels, taking depositions, 31 depositions, 10 separate expert reports, and hundreds of thousands of documents. You might say, Steve, where would you get 100,000 documents from? Well, if this is a lawsuit claiming that there's this massive flaw in the Uconnect system, which apparently never materialized the way that people thought it would, uh, you would theoretically ask the other side to produce all the documentation regarding the Uconnect system, how it was developed, all the testing that was done on it, uh, what did uh, they know about it, what did they know about potential flaws, and so on and so forth. And it wouldn't be hard to come up with 100,000 pages of documents uh, in massive litigation like this. Uh, But as noted, no one was injured as far as the court was concerned. And now you might say, Steve, the lack of injury to somebody. And by the way, keep in mind that injury is a legal term. So you and I might think of an injury as I fell down, broke my arm, that's an injury, right? There's other kinds of injuries. That's a physical injury. I'm talking about legal injury. And legal injury is simply where somebody is harmed in a way that is measurable and apparent that they can prove. Uh, and, And then the injury, if it's attributable to somebody else, then you might seek compensation for the injury. It depends on how the injury was caused. And injury can be economic in nature, okay? A breached contract, for instance. Uh, and so the idea is that someone buys a car and they buy this car and they think they know what the car is all about and what it does, how it functions and all this stuff. Let's suppose they discovered that the car was hackable. Somebody can hack this car. Well, if you discover that and it frightens you and you run out very quickly and get rid of the car and you took a hit on that, theoretically, a jury could say, oh, you sold the car at a loss because of your real fear that the car was hackable and you feared for your safety. A jury theoretically could find that. However, what we have here is a situation of a lawsuit filed in 2015 Seven years later, the problem these people claim they're fearful of has never materialized. And despite taking all these depositions and expert reports and hundreds of thousands of pages of documents, no one can point to it of you know it ever happening. It never happened. Now, I'm sure you've heard, and I'm going to do a story on it one of these days, about certain, I believe, Kia and Hyundai vehicles that can be hotwired, using the old school term, using some modern technology relatively easily. And so people who bought those could say, I bought this car, assuming it was safe and secure like every other car I've ever owned, and I find out it's got this gigantic flaw in it that makes it very, very easy to steal. Question is, have you been injured? Well, that one's been so widely publicized and so many people have had their cars stolen, apparently, that if you owned that car Even if it wasn't stolen, you can say, but I'm scared it will be stolen. I've got to take these steps to protect it. And of course, if it was stolen, you've got harm. Now, you can say, but Steve, the harm was caused by the auto thief. Yeah, it was. But the auto thief wouldn't have stolen your car if it didn't have that easy way to steal it. So they can point to some injuries there, I would believe. But here, the question is, is harm never materialized? And worse... These attorneys spun their wheels to the point that they forced the two defendants to spend $179,000 defending the case, which then got dismissed for lack of standing. <laughs> lack of standing. The judge is literally saying your clients 
were not injured in any way that's compensable in the way you've pledged your complaint in this courtroom. Therefore, the case is gone. And so there are court rules and statutes in most states and in the federal courts that say specifically that if you file a frivolous claim, uh, you may be on the hook for the other side's legal fees in defending the same. The only question is what is frivolous. And it depends on the state and the courts and so on as exactly what they use to measure that. Uh, but I've mentioned before, I've seen a lot of very, very weak lawsuits filed. And the courts tend to look at it and go, if there was any possibility that there was merit to this, we're not going to tax the costs. And I can tell you that in 31 years of practice, I've never had to do that on any case I've filed. Uh, I can tell you, I know of a couple attorneys who've gotten dinged a couple times. And uh, one of them is a guy I know who practices in federal court uh, in an area of law that is relatively, I believe, still unsettled, meaning that there's some questions about some of this stuff. And he's gotten hit, I believe, twice for fines and costs and so on uh, assessed by the court uh, for things that he's filed. Not the lawsuits themselves sometimes, but I think motions and so on. Uh, but it's, it's never fun. And, you know, as an attorney, I'm hoping that I have clients who hire me. I do work for them. They're happy with the results. And I live to fight another day, right? And so if I were to take someone's case and file it and the case got dismissed, I'd immediately think, oh, that's a loss. That's not good. But if the judge then came back and said, oh, and by the way, Mr. Leto, pay the other side $179,000. <laughs> I would really start feeling the need to recalibrate certain aspects of my life. So glad it didn't happen to me. <laughs> but it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Because I wouldn't file a case like this. So there you go. You connect plaintiff Flynn loses case at Seventh Circuit. His attorneys now owe $180,000 for pursuing an injury suit without injury. That's according to Steve Chorus, who wrote the story for the Madison Record. Michael Sennett, thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it.